Hi, my name's Rochelle Grove. I'm an expat living in the UK. I own two businesses, have my executive MBA from Pepperdine University, and I come riding dirty, having fallen from the polished corporate world. Allergic to Small Talk is a show about how to grow your small business through networking, plus the tools and resources needed to develop your foundation as a business owner. If you're allergic to Small Talk, get ready for big conversations that are delivered to you in bite-sized chunks that you can implement right away to transform the way you view, operate, and grow your business. This is Allergic to Small Talk by Cut Class. Hey there, and welcome back to Allergic to Small Talk. You can catch me here every week, or you can say what's up to me on Insta at It's Grow Grow. All right, y'all, let's get into our episode. I want you to take a minute and imagine your favorite athlete, maybe your favorite actor, your favorite author or favorite professor, or maybe your favorite business person. Now that you have that person in your mind, replay a moment when you saw, heard, or read about them achieving something great. And as you replay that moment, you may be thinking, how did they do that? And if you are, my guest today just might be able to provide you with some insight on how exactly they might have achieved their greatness. My guest today is Dr. Ruth Gotien. Ruth is a Chief Learning Officer and Assistant Professor of Education in Anesthesiology and former Assistant Dean of Mentoring and Executive Director of the Mentoring Academy at Cornell Medicine. She has been hailed by the journal Nature and Columbia University as an expert in mentorship and leadership development. In 2021, she was selected as one of the 30 people worldwide to be named to the Thinkers 50 radar list dubbed the Oscars of Management Thinking, and by August, was shortlisted as the top eight emerging management thinkers in the world. In Psychology Today, where she writes about optimizing success, her research is about the mindset and skill set of peak performers, including Nobel laureates, astronauts, and Olympic champions. Her forthcoming book, The Success Factor, will be the focus of our show today. As Ruth dives into the success factor, I want you to think about how you can apply what she shares not only to networking, but to your business or any area of your life you would like to level up. Dr. Ruth Gotien, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you today. So Ruth, I always love to have my guests tell us in their own words, tell me a little bit about yourself. Sure. So my name is Dr. Ruth Gotian. I study extreme high achievers, the astronauts, Nobel Prize winners, Olympic champions to figure out what has made them so successful and how the rest of us mere mortals can achieve that success. Because I really don't think anybody wakes up in the morning aiming to be average in life. So at the age of 43, while working full time and raising a family, I said, I'm going back to school. So I literally got a doctorate in success. And that's when I started studying it, and I haven't stopped since. And I think it's really making 
a statement. It's definitely creating waves. Um, and I get to hang out with some really, really, really cool people. <laughs> That's so cool. I know that you hang out with some cool people because I saw your YouTube channel and there are some mentors on there that you collaborate with on there. Is that right? Yeah. So I have a show. I volunteer with The Mentor Project, which is a nonprofit where you bring in some super incredible high achievers and they give back for free. Wow. And there's different ways that they do that. I have a show where I bring together high achievers and we discuss different topics. And we've had astronauts and Nobel Prize winners and New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling authors. And we have a good time. Hey you, I wanted to take a minute to talk about the importance of a retrospective. A retrospective is an exercise that allows a team to look back and examine a project, milestone, or even an entire year. It gives everyone on a team a chance to get on the court, get a little dirty, clean up breakdowns, and ultimately look forward to the next wave of business. I recently did a retrospective with my team at Cut Class, and it allowed us to take a look back on our business throughout 2021. We discussed what worked, what didn't work, what was missing, and most importantly, we showed gratitude to one another and asked for gratitude for ourselves. Oftentimes, teams look back on projects from a context of what went right or what went wrong, which can lead to blame culture. But a retrospective flips that approach and reinforces positive performance and behaviors. I challenge you to do your own retrospective and see what you can uncover. I bet you'll be pleasantly surprised as to where it leads you and your business. To grab your retrospective template, there's a link in the show notes. Now let's get back to the show. If you guys get a chance, make sure to go and check that out. Can you just drop the name, Ruth? The Mentor Project. And the show is called Optimizing Your Success. Awesome. Thanks so much. All right. I want to dive into the juicy bits of your book called The Success Factor. I know that there are four attributes that you detail in this book. Can we just go through each of them and then just kind of walk us through how they apply to the people that you were researching for this book? How did it apply to their greatness? Sure. So all the extreme high achievers, it doesn't matter if you're the Nobel Prize winner or the astronaut or the Olympic champion or CEO of a big company, they all do the same four things and they do the same four things simultaneously, which tells me that a Nobel Prize winning scientist is just like a bedazzled Olympic champion figure skater. And if that's the case, that means these are learned skills. And if they're learned skills, I'm an adult educator. I can teach it. <laughs> so I reversed engineered the path, wrote the book, The Success Factor, about it. And I'll tell you what the four things are. But really what The Success Factor talks about is not just the four things, but it actually teaches you how to implement them in your own lives. And these are not habits because we can't copy somebody else's habits. If I'm a morning person and wake up at 5 a.m. and get a lot of work done and you're a night owl and don't go to sleep till 3 a.m., you can't do what I do. I can't do what you do, Right. But also we have to realize that what works for me today may not work for me tomorrow or next year or when I have a transition in life, right? A kid, a move, a new job, whatever. So we need options. And that's what this provides, not just telling what the four elements are, but really telling you how to implement it and offering options. So with that said, you're ready for the four elements? I'm so ready. Okay. 
So the first one is you have to find what you love to do. But I'm not just talking about a hobby. This is why you were put on this earth. There's a fire inside you. There's what we call intrinsic motivation, very different from extrinsic motivation. Intrinsic is that fire from within. It's why you wake up in the morning. It's why you have a hard time falling asleep and why you're enjoying all the minutes in between. Extrinsic means you're doing it for the promotion, the diploma, the award, the recognition. It's really for other people to judge you. And when you do it for that reason, you burn out or fail out. But when you do it from within, nothing's stopping you. So for example, if you have a family member who got sick and died from cancer, and you have decided to dedicate your life to fighting this terrible disease, for finding a treatment, finding prevention for it, right? If you dedicate your life to it, you're not going to give up just because you didn't get an award. Right. You're not going to give up when things get tough because there's going to be a lot of tough days, right? People have been working on this for decades and still haven't figured it out, but we keep building on it and getting closer and closer and closer. And when they get that tiny little win, they are so excited because they're one step closer to finding that treatment or that prevention strategy, right? So this is why you do that. Even during the bad days, you're still excited to do it. So that's number one, find your passion, what you would do for free if you could. The second one, when you find what you love to do, you are going to outwork everyone. (laughs) And I don't mean working 80 hours a week. I mean, milking the minutes that count. You're super focused. So let's go back to our scientist who's looking for a treatment for cancer. Do you really think that his social media is going off or her social media is going off every two minutes? No. Do you think they're going to be called into every meeting? No. Do you think they're going to be on every committee? No. Do you think they're going to waste their time doing things that don't count? No, because they are super focused on it. And when they do face challenges, they actually look at them very, very differently. So while some of us might give up when things get hard, they don't. Because if they give up, how are we going to get closer to treating cancer? Right. Right? So they are going to continually work hard and they don't question when they have a challenge if they're going to be able to solve it. They know they'll be able to solve it. So instead of questioning if, they focus on how. Complete different mind shift because you think about what is the strategy I haven't thought of yet. That's a big difference. The third one is you have a really strong foundation which you're constantly reinforcing. So the same things you did early in your career are the things you would do later in your career. Show me one athlete that doesn't do warm-ups. They all do warm-ups. And guess what? The same warm-up that you would see Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, all the greats do are the same warm-ups you'd see in a junior high gym. No difference. The only difference is the NBA and the Olympic players have better sneakers. But it's exactly the same. They don't stop doing it just because they've received that notoriety. And the last one is, think of the billionaires, Mark Cuban, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett. They read three to eight hours a day, but that's not what made them successful. It's not that they read for eight hours a day. It's that they open their mind to new knowledge. So as adults, we can't really sit in a classroom for eight hours a day, but we can get new information in different informal ways. So we could read books, we could read articles, we could read blogs, we can watch webinars, we can listen to podcasts. Hopefully I'm sharing some good stuff here. 
you can talk to people, go to conferences, and also surround yourself with a team of mentors, people who will guide you, right? So all of these extreme high achievers had a team of mentors to really guide them throughout their career. So those are the four, the intrinsic motivation, the work ethic and perseverance, the strong foundation, which is constantly being reinforced, and the continuous informal learning that's constantly happening, including that team of mentors. So there you go. Those are the four. Oh my gosh. I love that. My mind's racing. And I really, really love how you just dropped those four so quickly and broke it down and gave some really great examples. I just want to stop for a second because I have a few questions. The first thing that comes to mind is if somebody is doing something that they think they love, but when they come up against a challenge and that challenge somehow outshines what they think they love, is that a sign to say, hey, that's not your passion? That's not what your purpose is? No, and this is really sometimes where you need the mentors because when you're faced with a challenge, you're so deep inside the jar that you don't have perspective. You can't read the label because it's just all consuming. And sometimes you need a mentor who will really offer that perspective to you. And you're not going to quit so easily when it's something that you love, right? If we're back to that treating and preventing cancer, you're not going to quit because an experiment didn't work or you didn't get the grant you want or your publication was rejected. That's not enough because there's a bigger purpose. And that's why if you ask any of the Olympians, any of the Nobel Prize winners, none of them, not one, quit their job because they got the medal. I don't know of a single Nobel Prize winner who stopped doing science just because they won the Nobel Prize. If anything, they doubled down and and did more. And I always ask the Olympians and the Nobel Prize winners, where do you you keep your awards, right? (laughs) Yeah. So two have it on display. The rest, it's in a box under the bed. It's in a safe. A few, it's in a brown paper bag in the nightstand in the sock drawer. (laughs) And I said, well, what do you mean? What do you mean it's in the sock drawer? And they said, it was never about the medal. It was never about the medal. They said, that's a chapter in their lives. That's not the entire story. And that is why they're high achievers. Wow. That's awesome. I love that. So in your book, there are some worksheets that accompany these four attributes to help people along in the book. Is that right? Yeah, so I actually offer a lot of resources in the success factor because, look, my doctorate's in adult learning and leadership. I can't just give you stuff without teaching you how to implement it. Right. So the last third of the book is all about implementation strategies. And you can actually download with the book a goal audit. How do you figure out what your goals are? How do you figure out if you're focused on your goals? What's distracting you from your goals? The other is a passion audit, Mm. right? How do you figure out what are your passions? There's a difference between being good at something and being passionate about it. You could be good at a lot of things and not like them. And the last one is how to develop your own mentoring team because you need your own board of directors. But if your listeners want, I could give them a a preview. If they want the passion audit now. They can download it right from my website, ruthgotian.com slash passion audit. And you can start figuring out what's the difference between what you're good at, what you're good at, but you don't enjoy, what you don't enjoy doing, and what you would do for free if you could. 
Oh, that's an awesome, awesome giveaway. You guys, make sure you go and download that. And you're also going to just find some really cool stuff on Ruth's website. I got lost in her website for at least a good like hour. (laughs) (laughs) So make sure you have a good like 30 to 40 minutes because I trust me when you go there, you're just going to just fall into a hole and you're just going to find so many resources there. But that's definitely one you should go I'll tell you why. I'll tell you what, because A, I really enjoy writing. That's why I wrote The Success Factor. But I also like to leak out the information, mm-hmm. right? And different actionable tips. And my style of writing is not just to tell you theory, but to tell you how you can apply it. So that's why I write. I'm a faculty member, so obviously I write in academic journals. But I also write for the lay journals, such as Harvard Business Review and Forbes and Psychology Today, because they're more digestible. And every time I write, and I do this in nature also, I want to leave you with three to five tips you can implement immediately. You put the article down, you can start implementing it. Because even if you do one, you're better off than you were when you first started reading the article. So I try to put them all out there. And frankly, I'm having a hard time keeping up with all the updates because I keep writing because I enjoy it. So I love that. So, okay. I really liked number three, building a strong foundation. This is something that's really important to me in my business and in my growth and stuff that I work with, with my clients. And it goes back to like the fundamentals. And when I think about the fundamentals, it reminds me of my like high school coach, Coach Katz, love him, great guy. And can you just kind of talk about, is there a correlation between developing habits and developing like a strong foundation? Like, is there a difference? Is there a correlation there? The strong foundation means what got you here to this point, you cannot rest on your laurels. You really need to continue doing them for the duration. So for example, anyone who's done karate before, you go onto the mat, you take a bow, you start doing what are called katas, which is this simulated fighting, right? doesn't matter if you're a white belt or a second degree black belt, you are still doing those katas, same exact katas. I spoke to Ryan Millar, who's a three-time Olympian, uh, an Olympic gold medal volleyball player for the United States. And he was telling me that one of the warmups that they do in volleyball is, the, he said the most important thing in volleyball is ball control. Okay. And he told me that they have this drill called pepper, which is how you um, control the ball. And I I wrote about, I profiled him in Forbes. And he said that pepper that they did in the Olympics to warm up is the same thing he did in his backyard when he was seven years old. (laughs) Hasn't changed. It's exactly the same. And, you know, it's very interesting when somebody wins the Nobel, right? The Nobel calls come at like four or five in the morning. And you're also, you know, somebody's supposed to take a picture of them half asleep getting that phone call, right? Okay. So they have that picture and then they show them later on that day. Somebody's supposed to take a picture and it's posted all over social media. The biggest ones, they didn't go run, have a party. One of them submitted a grant the same day he won the Nobel Prize. Now, the Nobel Prize comes with a million dollars. He didn't say, I don't need to raise money for my research anymore. The day he got the Nobel Prize, he submitted a grant. Another one was supposed to teach a course that day. And they felt, I'm still a scientist. I'm still an educator. I need to teach my class. I'm not canceling it because there was this big announcement. He taught his class. That's what happens. 
So this is what I mean. It's those strong foundations. They continuously still do this. And you, you hear these stories and it's like, oh my God, <laughs> I want to be that person. I want to be that person because it's always more than the metal. The metal, remember, as they all said this to me, it's a chapter in their life. It's not the entire story. And this was said to me over and over and over again. Wow, that's amazing. So what has been your like your favorite? I mean, I'm sure you've obviously interviewed so many people. Who stood out to you on that journey doing research for this book? Well, there's so many. One of the astronauts is um, Dr. Peggy Whitson. Dr. Peggy Whitson is the former chief NASA astronaut, former chief astronaut, first female commander of the International Space Station, a role she held twice was more days in space than any American astronaut of any gender. Whoa. She had to apply to be an astronaut for 10 years because she kept getting rejected. Whoa. 10 years. And you know what? I heard this story and I emailed her. I said, you know, Peggy, I said, there's this one journal I want to write for and I just haven't gotten accepted yet. And this story makes me want to try again. And I did. And that's how I got my first Harvard Business Review <laughs> article. It's because of that story. And there's also Apollo Anton Ono, mm -hmm. the most decorated Winter Olympian short track speed skating, also won the Mirabal Trophy in Dancing with the Stars. But he was fascinating for a very different reason. Brilliant on the ice, right? I mean, eight Olympic medals, right? But it's what he did off the ice that I was so impressed with. He did everything right to excel on the ice. He did the training. He had the coaches. He worked at it. But he also figured out how to optimize his time off the ice. What am I eating? What am I sleeping? What am I thinking about? And he met with all the right people. And the topics that I geek out on, flow theory and things like that, he was reading on his own. Remember I talked about informal learning? Yeah. He was reading... And we were having a really intellectual discussion about it. I was not expecting that because these are things that, you know, it's very, it's academic. It's what I very much enjoy. He very much enjoyed that as well. So I was able to connect with this incredible Olympian on some of these psychological theories and adult learning theories. That was not what I expected at all. <laughs> That is so amazing. That's so amazing. Our level of understanding on our team about like flow is probably very basic, but we have been able to understand like when we can produce the best results and whether that's in the morning or if that's in the evening. And we know that our results are going to be based off of what space we're in. If we're exhausted and we're tired, we're probably not going to deliver our best work. I know that kind of makes sense. But when we're in that flow state is when we can deliver the platinum work and what we yeah. can create in that two hours is probably more than we would be able to create in six hours if we were tired. That's correct. But the, the flow zone, so for the listeners, flow is you are so into what you're doing that time just melts away. You don't realize that all of a sudden you've been working and it got dark outside and you're not tired, you're not hungry, you're not thirsty, you don't need to go to the bathroom, you don't need a cup of coffee, you are so focused on what you're doing. It's rare when it happens, but when it happens, A, you're the happiest you've ever been. There's actually correlation. 
And B, you get, as you said, your platinum work done. So it's as if your whole body just sort of, as Apollo Anton (laughs) Ono said, you know, the blade, the boot, his foot, his uniform, his brain, it's all just one piece. It's just so fluid. It's so rare when it happens, but boy, when it does, it is magic. Oh my gosh. For the listeners out there, I really hope that you recognize when your flow state occurs and just harness that. Maybe it'll take you some time to recognize when it's happening, but it's important for you to recognize when it is happening and take note of when it happens. Maybe you're doing a particular activity. Maybe it's something that led up to that occurring. But if you're able to note when that's happening, you might be able to recreate that in the future so that you can get those same results. I'm not sure if I'm clocking that right. That's exactly right. Definitely pay attention to what it is you are doing and not doing in order to help make that happen. And if you want to start, easiest thing you can do is shut off all notifications on your computer, on your phone. You don't need to know every time somebody likes your post on Twitter. Really not not urgent, right? You'll get to it when you get to it. Um, You don't need to jump every time an email comes. Nobody died because an email wasn't answered. Shut off all the notifications. And one of the things I talk about in the success factor are different ways to try to get into that flow state. So we talk about your cognitive hours versus your non-cognitive hours. There's tips such as the Pomodoro technique. I mean, there's all kinds of things that you can do in order to optimize it so that you don't have to work for twice as long to do half the work and not be happy with the work that you're producing anyway, right? right? So what are the different ways you can leverage that? So talk about all that in in the success factor. I love that. So, and for those of you who don't know the Pomodoro factor, Ruth, if you want to explain that, I'll probably fumble the words a bit. Sure. So the Pomodoro technique really means that you work in spurts. So shut off all notifications, shut off all distractions, and you give a gift to yourself for 25 minutes to solely work on this one thing. Now keep a piece of paper and pen next to you. So if, you know, an idea pops in your head about something else, just write it down. Don't go to it, just write it down because you gave yourself a gift of 25 minutes to work on this one thing, no distractions. And then after 25 minutes, you take a five minute break. And then you do another 25-minute sprint. And then you do another five-minute break. And after a few Pomodoros, you take a longer break. Now, you can fudge with these numbers a little bit. So for me, I have a longer on-ramp to get into flow state. So I need probably 35 to 45 minutes, right? So I do that. And what I do during the break, it's important to get up from your desk. So I get up, I listen to a podcast, I listen to a LinkedIn learning, I listen to an audible, I fold the laundry. So what I did during the pandemic was I would put in a load of laundry when that load was over. That was the signal of time to get up and put it in the dryer. But that's also my break. And I listen to a podcast as I'm doing it, et cetera. And that's really how you get a lot more productive because you can't work for three hours straight right. and expect hour three to be as productive as hour one. So this is how you constantly are able to continue performing at a very high level and get to that platinum work you were talking about. Love it. 
Dr. Ruth Gotian, I love all of the little nuggets that you shared with us today. And I know that people are going to walk away from this episode energized and ready to rock and roll with whatever it is they're getting up to in their life or their business. Is there anything else that you'd love to share with us before we go? I'm really excited to connect with everyone. You could find me on social media. It's just my name, Ruth Gotian. My website is just my name, Ruth Gotian. Dot com, And the book is called The Success Factor, and you can get it wherever you love buying books. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Ruth Gautien. And I look forward to this episode coming out. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Allergic to Small Talk is a production of Cut Class, a place where you can access me, Rochelle Grow, and Leslie Levito. We teach the world how to start and grow businesses without a formal classroom. Executively produced by me, Rochelle Grow and Cut Class. Creative direction by Sho Kazanjian. Audio editor and producer, Tom McGeoch. And music is by Fami Kaira. If you'd like to access more free resources, check out our sister podcast, Out to Launch. Hosted by Cut Class's co-founder, Leslie Levito. She teaches people how to ditch their 9 to 5 to start their own business. See ya! See ya!